0: fusion of entertainment and enlightenment this is the glenbeck program
1: one of the quintessential movies of 2019 is the joker and one of the great lines in the movie is when joaquin phoenix's arthur fleck says is it just me or is it getting crazier out there As we wind down 2019, a lot of us are thinking that right now, knowing that with an election looming, we're going to get even more crazy in 2020. Today, though, on the Glenn Beck Program, we're going to peel the curtain back. What is the origin, and if I could use this term, genesis for a lot of the crazy we're seeing? That's what we're going to be discussing here today on the Glenn Beck Program.
0: This is the Glenn Beck Program.
2: Hey, you want a New Year's resolution that you can actually keep? Resolve to help protect your identity and personal information with LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. LifeLock will alert you to potential threats to your identity. And they'll see more than what you can see by just monitoring your own credit, like information on the dark web. And if you have a problem, LifeLock's U.S.-based restoration specialists know the steps to help resolve your case. After all, only one in five identity theft victims who had accounts open in their name discovered their theft through a bank or a credit card company. Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the New Year's resolution that's not only easy to keep, it'll help you protect what You've worked so hard for. I've worked with Lifelock for years and I've had Lifelock for years because of the best in the business. So get Lifelock now for up to 25% off your first year with promo code BACK at lifelock.com. Promo code back for up to 25% off at Lifelock.com. <laughs>
1: And greetings. Uh, you're going to find out today uh, that they're so desperate for holiday help around here, they're going to basically let anybody fill in. To some of you, uh, we'll be a tad familiar because on Blaze TV, we do the show after Glenn Beck each day from noon to 2 Eastern. You can get that at Blaze TV. You can get it at Blaze Radio. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. For the rest of you, my name is Steve Dace and my team with My Daily Show is here with me. We're going to be filling in for Glenn Beck over the next couple of days. You'll hear and see if you're watching on Blaze TV. Uh, you'll hear across the country uh, as well. The voice of Todd Erzin uh, as well as Aaron McIntyre. And what we want to do here uh, today and tomorrow as you know, this is the time of year when I think a lot of us are kind of looking at the big picture, not so much the day-to-day news of what's happening. In fact, a lot of times we're, we're, we're trying, we're trying to get away from that. And um, we're looking at larger themes, looking back on the year, you get those notes in the mail, the Christmas updates from friends and family that you, you didn't talk to enough all year round and get updated. And maybe you send those out as well. Uh, there's a lot of retrospectives this time of year, look backs on the, on the year that was, uh, the famous people who passed away. What were the major stories, the, the biggest movies, the biggest cultural trends. We want to take an even bigger picture view as we fill in over the next couple of days. And we are debating things. I don't have to tell if you're Glenn's audience. I don't have to tell you this. This is not breaking news to you. It's not a spoiler alert. We are debating things that if you are the generation ahead of me, I'm 46. Todd, what are you, 46 as well, 47? And then Aaron, you're 26, right? Correct. All right, so if, if you're the generation ahead of us, we are debating things now. And mainstreaming things now that would have been unthinkable in your lifetime. And in your lifetime, you've lived through some cultural upheaval. If you're the generation ahead of us, you, you lived through the 60s, you lived through marches and bra burnings, sexual revolutions. But there was this notion, though, that in your youth, you challenged the, the status quo. The the pre-existing authority. And maybe in your generation you went further than others have. But there was still this notion that eventually you would would grow up. You would would come home to some form of, of, of normalcy, of tradition. It might look different than other generations. It might be zanier than other generations. But there would still be some foundation there once you were done pushing the envelope. You wanted to push the edges of the envelope. You didn't want to rip it open. And you're living now long enough to see that the generations behind you are are just bypassing the envelope pushing altogether. In fact, they're debating, um, if I could use my Beavis and Butthead voice, uh, what's an envelope? That's what they're debating now. What's a person? What's a male? What's a female? What's a border? Do we know what that is? What's a dollar? What's what's anything? What does anything mean? And you can see the angst. You can see it in what's popular in our cultural trends. The number one movie of the year, which is great by the way, but it's subtitle is Endgame. <laughs> All right. Um, I've already quoted from the Joker, which is nihilism on parade glorified. And if, if there is any movie line that best summarizes American culture, in 2019, it's when Robert De Niro's Johnny Carson wannabe character looks at Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and says, what, what is this? What is the point of this? You're trying to make a political statement. I mean, he's a, he's a baby boomer, right? He, he's from an era where you did provocative things to make points. Where Alice Cooper did Welcome to My Nightmare when he was in his 20s. And now he runs like a youth ministry for wayward kids in his 70s. He eventually grew up. Came back to some form of normalcy, albeit with too much eyeliner. But he came back to some form of normalcy. And now you're like, these generations aren't going to come back from the brink. They're going to go way over it. They're going to take us over it as well. And so that's Robert De Niro's character in The Joker. He's like, hey, I did some of this crazy stuff too when I was your age. Went a little too far. Smoked a little too much weed, drank a little too much. But, you know, we were trying to make a political statement. What what are you doing here? What's your point? What do you believe in? And when Joaquin Phoenix's Joker looks into the camera and says, I don't believe in anything. That, folks, as you have lived through rape hoaxes of Supreme Court justices you didn't like, or they didn't like and Russian collusion hoaxes hoax, hoaxes and Ukrainian hoaxes it's a hoax a minute nowadays Jesse Smollett hoaxes now we've got people that are now doing hoaxes well my kid got beat up uh, for being a right winger that story those are two stories now those hoaxes aren't true it's a, it's a it's a it's hoaxes galore that might be the new villain in the bond movie hoaxes galore and you're wondering how did we get here that is That's the mantra of America in 2019. I don't believe in anything. Now, we didn't get here overnight. This has been decades in the making. And what we're going to do over the course of this program uh, is is we're going to peel back the curtain. We're going to let you see the spirit of the age operating behind the curtain. That the chaos you're witnessing is not coincidental. It's coordinated. That this has been long in the making to deconstruct Western civilization, of which America is its last line of defense. Because really what we call American exceptionalism really is Western civilization. And there has been a coordinated movement over the last few decades to walk us through a systemic process to undo us. Todd, the word you like to use is iconoclastic, right? Correct. That's your term. And, And that's just a nice, fancy term for people who want to shatter the stained glass windows in your culture. That's just a nice, fancy term for the people that just want to watch the world burn. And we're going to walk you through this process today. What are these worldviews that are competing with the founding worldview of this country, the Judeo-Christian worldview? Where did they come from? How did they get here? And where do they want to take us? And we're going to walk you through a bit of a cultural devolution flowchart today. From step one all the way to step seven. They're called the seven deadly worldviews. And we're going to introduce you to what's happening to your culture and what they're doing to it right now when we return on the Glenn Beck program.
2: If you're looking to fully protect your home with award-winning 24/7 home security, now is the time to do it. Time is running out on Simply Safe's biggest sale of the year. Simply Safe has everything that you need to protect your home and your family. Their smart lock, video doorbell Pro, it defends your front door, but it's an army of sensors and cameras that guard every window, door and room in your home. And if there is ever a break-in, Simply Safe is the only one that's able to give real-time video confirmation to police as it happens so they respond thr- Three and a half times faster on average. It's no surprise that SimpliSafe has won CNAD and PC Magazine's Editor Choice Awards. With families traveling during the holiday season and leaving your home empty with the expensive gifts behind, Safe's holiday sale couldn't come at a better time. 25% off plus a free HD security camera. But it ends December 31st. So go to simplysafeback.com now. Remember, this sale ends December 31st. SimpliSafeBeck.com
1: All right, back here on the Glenn Beck Program. I'm Steve Dace, Todd Erz, and Aaron McIntyre. We're going to take you through these final two days of 2019 uh, in place of Glenn. We do the show after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast, Noon to 2 Eastern. And today we're going to talk about how did we get here as a people? Why is it getting crazier out there? And what are these seven deadly worldviews that I teased earlier? Now, before we get to those, we got to quickly line up, though, or or lay out, what's the worldview that founded the country? What What is that? And a worldview is simply how you see the world and your place in it. How you choose to answer the biggest questions in life. Why am I here? Where am I ultimately heading? What is the purpose of my life and, and human life in particular? Why is the world the way that it is? Why am I the way that I am? And then what can be done about that? Those are, those are the, the factors that make up your worldview, how you answer those questions. We all have a worldview. We all do. It's just a matter of what we plug in to those blank spaces to fill in the blanks. That, that's the only difference is what we plug in there. Now, your country, the one that we live in, was, was founded on a principle That rights come from God. And as G.K. Chesterton said, it was the only country ever founded upon a creed. And what was that creed? It's the opening mission statement of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with unalienable rights, preexistent rights that cannot be taken away. These are rights that existed before government did. Therefore, government cannot grant that which, or take away that which it did not grant. That's why your constitution begins with the words, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union. The, the constitution was made by the people for the people, not the people by and for the constitution. Of course, if you're going to have God given rights, then we've got to have an understanding of who's God. Now, your founding fathers came out of an era where they believed in general there was only one true living God, the God of the Bible. Now they had varying viewpoints on what that God commanded of them and expected of them and what they must do in, in response to that. You had the intellectual curiosity of a Thomas Jefferson. You had the theod- theological f- fidelity of a Benjamin Rush or a Patrick Henry. And then you had the inquisitiveness Um, to to religious cynicism of a Thomas Paine. Not very much unlike the day and age in which we live today. If you were to come over to the Blaze and Blaze TV, you'd see a a whole lot of personalities that are kind of modern day emulations of all the caricatures I just laid out. There was a lot of diversity of thought. But what they ultimately understood is that they were If they were going to have self-government, they had to be accountable to something larger than themselves. And that something was going to be the one true living God where our rights come from. And, you know, we're in a time of year where people have a different opinion of what to celebrate this time of year. If you're like me, you believe Jesus is the reason for the season. You may light the menorah this time of year, but ultimately There is a time and place for us to have those debates, and they're necessary, and it's probably the most important debate of them all. Who is God? But ultimately, we can't live in a civil society with people of pluralistic viewpoints unless we understand to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar and to render unto God that which is God's. And so, this is what your founders understood. This is why they put clauses in the Constitution like no religious test for office, for example, because the state colonies were almost all chartered by churches. Well, how were they going to navigate? Quakers in Pennsylvania, Catholics in Maryland, uh, Presbyterians, and, 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 and Episcopalians in Virginia, and, and Baptists in Georgia congregationalists in Connecticut. How were they going to do this? And they realized early on that the only way to just go right down the same road of these Christian sects killing each other on the battlefield as they had in Europe for hundreds of years, the only way to win the game was to not play and simply say, you are the master of your own conscience and you are accountable to your ultimate master for your conscience, not to the state. And the state is not here to play master over your conscience. The state is here to protect and defend your God-given rights. And one of those, chief among those, is your own conscience. And this is how we can get people here on our show, for example. I'm an evangelical. Todd is a Catholic. Our forefathers slaughtered each other for hundreds of years on the battlefields of europe we have some deep theological disagreements and if you listen to our show on a daily basis on blaze tv radio and podcast you know that without you know killing one another we're not shy about airing them we even went through the 500th anniversary of the reformation 200 or two years ago and had this all out in the open correct we did it was fun yep so i'm proud i'm 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 an evangelical you're a catholic aaron's a millennial it doesn't get more disparate than that Right? Okay, he's still trying to figure out as cynically and bitterly as he possibly can his way in this world. Did I have you pretty much tagged? Yeah, that, uh, that pegs me. Yeah. All right. So we, we, are, we manage to do this out in the open as grown men. We don't hide our convictions and theology from one another. Where we agree, we agree. Where we don't, we don't. But that's in, that's in the, that's in the sacred arena. In the civic arena, you've got to leave room for differences other and and otherwise um you're not going to tolerate those differences and when you don't tolerate those differences that's when you get a lot of the worst pages in your history books and that's the code that our founders cracked that's that's why we have withstood all of the trials and tribulations against liberty and freedom of the last 240 some odd years it's why we have withstood them here in the united states of america we came up with a system that said that is for another sector of the culture to hatch out. And we're going to give you the freedom to have those debates and to disagree with one another. But you are not to use the coercive power of government to infringe on the God-given rights of somebody else. That's the worldview that established America. It's why we had the Ten Commandments posted in every classroom why they're still posted at the u.s supreme court which is banning them from public buildings today it's why your your politicians say so help me god when they take an oath of office that's that's what permitted the most flourishing by one culture of human achievement in all of human history is that worldview and it is that worldview That is under attack, but not now this has actually been going on for quite a while It's just becoming so prevalent now so systemic now That we are forced to have existential debates and questions That go beyond the the jobs numbers And the price of gas or what the deficit is Or even what the crime rate is I mean, America has been introduced to black nationalist anti-Semites in New York City and on the East Coast in the last couple of weeks. We didn't even know this existed 10 minutes ago. And now it's in the headlines several times. How did we get here? What are these worldviews? And why do they hate the one that founded America? We'll begin explaining them to you when we return here on the Glenn Beck program.
0: You're listening to Glenn Beck.
2: Mortgage rates are so low right now, it is truly the right time to review your financial goals and set the course for your family's future. My choice is American Financing. They're a family-owned national mortgage banker with a salary-based mortgage consultant, so they're in it for you. If it's your goal to purchase a new home, maybe you could use a little more space, or you're downsizing. They can help. If you're looking to consolidate debt into one low payment or just reduce your interest rate to pay less over the life of your loan, American Financing can save you thousands of dollars. And if you're in a variable rate loan, I urge you, get into a fixed rate. American Financing, the only lender I endorse, the people I trust. No commission, no upfront fees, and no pressure. They'll cover you coast to coast in 10 minutes. 800-906-2440. That's 800-906-2440. Or online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, NMLS consumeraccess.org
1: Back here on the Glenn Beck program, we are the crew from the Steve Dace Show. That is me, Steve Dace, Toddterz and Aaron McIntyre. We are on after Glenn on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Noon to 2 Eastern. And if you want to check us out at Blaze TV, blaze TV.com slash Days is how you can do that. You can also subscribe to our podcast over at uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve Days Show, by the way. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook, although we're shadow banned there. So give it a shot. Okay. But, but we're not going to give much hope that it'll actually show up that you like this, but you can try it. Uh, you can also email me if we get into anything these next two days that you have questions about, please feel free to email me, steve at stevedase.com. Because we're going to teach some philosophy and some history here today. And over the course of the next couple of days that so we're filling in for Glenn, we're going to give you guys kind of what are the the twin pillars, if you will, uh, the two towers, although we're more with Gandalf the White than Isengard and, and Mordor, but kind of the two towers of our show. Tomorrow, how do we actually do what we believe and we're going to talk about the 10 commandments of political warfare but before we get to application we first have to talk about foundation what are we up against right any any general will survey the battlefield before he sends soldiers in if he can you'll do recon even god sent in hebrew spies to scout the land so we're going to give you a chance through us to scout the land We're going to take you through the seven worldviews in order that they have deconstructed your culture to bring you to the point and bring us to the brink that we are at heading into the end of 2019 right now. Some of these terms are going to seem a little, um, you know, college. Don't let that intimidate you. Okay. Um, well, uh, first of all, I, I barely made it out of community college and found out when they kicked me out of school, they don't give degrees for playing super tech mobile an entire semester. So if I can learn this material. All right. So can you, because I'm going to make it as about as simple as possible for you, because that's what it had to be for me. All right. So we're going to start with the help of a good friend of our show, Dr. Jeremiah Johnson. Some of you may have seen him on Fox News the last few years, and he is with Houston Baptist University. He's also the head of the Christian Thinkers Society, correct, Aaron? That's correct. Christian Thinkers Society. All right. You're going to hear his voice in some of these intros as well. We're going to give you a look, a brief look at the very first worldview that began all of this and it's called Gnosticism. Well, it'll be based on knowledge. Truth is the fact that um,
3: it's um, your own faith, your own beliefs,
4: And your upbringing.
3: we think about Gnosticism of course it's based on the Greek word gnosis which means knowledge or indeed salvation through and by knowledge. In short salvation through a special knowledge. Knowledge that is as it were esoteric and it can be acquired listen only
1: by a specific few elite thinkers. I think it's a privilege to call yourself a Scientologist and it's something that you have to earn. Being a Scientologist When you drive past an accident, it's not like anyone else. As you drive past, you know you have to do something about it because you know you're the only one that can really help. The
3: esoteric special knowledge, these individuals who have come up with, if you will, a key that unlocks truth. How do we sift truth from belief? How do we write our own histories, personally or culturally, and thereby define ourselves? How do we penetrate years, centuries,
2: of
5: historical distortion to find original truth?
2: Well,
1: greetings everyone. Thank you for joining me today as we do a tremendous, incredible study on the Hebrew alphabet and God's words. Now, not just God's word, the Bible, but the individual words and letters of the Old Testament.
3: We've seen iterations both in modern times and historical times, but it is at its essence salvation just for
2: a privileged few. Jehovah's Witnesses hold the cross in contempt, feeling that it is nothing more than a pagan symbol used by apostate Christendom when he executes judgment over the world at Armageddon. He will destroy all but the faithful Jehovah's Witnesses.
3: Today, I've got a message prepared for you on who are the 144,000. That's a good question. Who are the 144,000? And it's ultimately very self-righteous and haughty. And make no mistake, there is no place for faith and there's no place for grace and Gnosticism. When we think about the, the world of the Bible, that is the world of Jesus and Judaism, we think about the New Testament, 138,000 Greek words. The beauty of the Greek New Testament is it was written in a common tongue, a common language, a rather elemental Greek language that, guess what, could be understood, appreciated, assimilated, by the entire world. These things were not hidden to us, we hear in the epistles, but they were revealed for all. In fact, in Acts 4, Peter said that you all are witnesses of the fact, the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Indeed, the gospel is good news for the whole world, not an esoteric view.
1: So that's a brief look at Gnosticism, which is this idea that there is some unattainable or ultimate secret source of knowledge that only a special few can gain access to. One of the first acts of the U.S. Congress when this country was merely a foundling was the commissioning and distribution of Bibles. I'll take a little shot at my Catholic buddy over here. It was actually Geneva Bible because they've, they viewed that as the, the best way to continue the themes of the Protestant Reformation. <laughs>
4: As long as the check clears in the New Year, uh, we, I can tolerate such things.
1: <laughs> so that was one of the first acts of the U.S. Congress was the commissioning of Bibles and the distribution of them. It was one of the main textbooks when, when children were, exe- were, were, were educated, uh, executed, that's a Freudian slip for what we're doing to too many of our kids today. Uh, but uh, the, the, when children were educated at the founding of the country, one of the, the Bible was a primary textbook, one of the foundational textbooks in the 13 colonies then the 13 states was what's called the new england primer i mean kids were literally taught the alphabet in the new england primer with a is for adam whose sin stained us all this is how they were taught in the public schools you want to blow your mind go online next commercial break or after the show you're going Noah Webster's dictionary I yeah, there, aren't yeah. you? yeah, yeah. See, we've been doing this all too long. It's like, it, it's almost like we share a brain now, okay? Uh, like you even knew I was going to take a shot at you when I mentioned the Bible distributions probably. You knew that was That's probably a coming. That's the day that ends in Y. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And you'll get me back later, I'm sure. But um, um, one of the, um, um, I forgot, what was I going to say? Webster, thank Noah Webster. Thank you, Webster, Noah yeah. Webster. If you want to blow your mind, go online and Google Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary. His very first edition. edition. And you can go in there and type in words on this site that will tell you what Noah Webster himself hand wrote in his 1828 dictionary compared to how we define them today. And then words that are in our everyday language in the news that are part of how we do public policy in America today. We're not even in Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary. We go into much more detail on these worldviews and topics on our, on our podcast. We've got more time. So today we, we kind of want to give you practical examples of what all these worldviews are to make it as, this, this information as accessible to you as possible. If you want to know what Gnosticism is in the 21st century in America, turn on the History Channel. I spent a good amount of time Saturday night because LSU was just destroying Oklahoma and there was nothing else on waiting for the other college football semifinal to come on. And I probably watched about an hour and a half of the history channel doing another, you want to talk about stuff that ends in why another endless, um, you know, montage of shows called ancient aliens. And do you guys know where this whole theory really comes from? It comes from a Swiss hotel manager named Eric Von Donegan. I know I used to believe in this stuff. I used to study this stuff. I used to be into the occult and all of this secret origin stuff. So I'm pretty well versed on it. Eric Von Donegan was a Swiss hotel manager when he wrote Chariots of the Gods 50 years ago. And he's He is now the mastermind behind all of the programming on the History Channel which says there's there's only some very special information that only the special few would know that aliens came here and seeded the earth and we come from them and if you're not special then we can't get back to that knowledge and, and acquire it all for ourselves. That's what Gnosticism looks like in your culture today. Aliens are the History Channel at Christmas. More of the Glenn Beck program here in a moment.
0: You're listening to Glenn Beck.
2: It's time to get back into gold because there's a reset coming. And maybe you should do your own homework and consider gold or silver. One eight six six gold line is the number I would call. You might want to spit yourself out of the system. And the way to do that is to have something in hard gold or silver. Now, you might think you are not able to afford gold. That's not true. I asked them specifically, and I think they're the only ones that do this, specifically to do an accumulation special. Now, this is not you getting in debt. This is you doing, uh, it's like a layaway a hundred dollars a month and you send a hundred dollars a month and they just keep building your gold portfolio. Nobody else does that Accumulation special get started for as low as a hundred dollars a month please find out if gold or silver is right for you please batten down the hatches 1866 goldline 1866 goldline get started for as little as a hundred dollars a month 1866 goldline or goldline.com.
1: So let's dig in, gentlemen, the crew here from the Steve Day Show. Let's uh, dig in a little bit more to the first of the seven deadly worldviews known as Gnosticism. The idea that truth cannot be made plain, right? The founding father said, hey, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That the idea that we're created in the image of God, that our rights come from God is so obvious. It's as obvious as the nose on our face. It's a self-evident truth. Everyone knows this. They, they close the Declaration of Independence by proclaiming their intentions to the world. They want transparency. They, w- they want what Madison described as the governor of the universe, God. They want his judgment upon their actions because if they're righteous, they think God will bless it. And if they're unrighteous, they don't have any shot of being successful anyway. doesn't get more transparent than that. John Hancock The legend of signing his name so large that even Mad King George would be able to read it. That's transparency. They walked out of the Continental Congress, and just a plain woman walks up to Ben Franklin and says, Hey, what kind of government do y'all give us? And he looks at her and says, Maybe the greatest thinker in early American history, just walking down the street and says to her, A republic, if you can keep it. This was to be made plain. They wrote letters. Written for people with an eighth grade education at the time because that was the age either you had to learn a trade, a skill, daddy's business, or you went off to college. That's why so many of your founding fathers graduated from Ivy League schools at 16. They wrote this for people. They wrote those Federalist letters. They wrote them for, for people with an eighth grade education. This was to be made plain to everybody. They gave us a free press so the truth could be made plain. They gave us free speech so that we could plainly speak the truth. They commissioned and distributed Bibles so that you could know the God where your rights come from. Now contrast that with, we all came from these aliens we can't name, we don't know. Eric Von Donegan even says his book is made up of 268 questions and he's just asking questions. And when you point out that his archaeology and scientific research is bunk, well, I mean, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just asking questions. You know, there's a famous figure in history that used that exact tactic to introduce Gnosticism to this world. And the serpent was craftier than all the other creatures in the garden. And he approaches Eve with a question. Did God really say? Are you sure? Are you sure that's male? Are are you positive that's a female? Are you sure? Well, I mean, we all know all truth is, you know, everything's relative, which of course is a completely contradictory statement because that is an absolute. So there's already one thing that's not relative, but we know that anyway, right? And this gentleman, this is the mustard seed. If I could use that expression this time of year, this is the mustard seed that has become the blooming onion that is the layers of our culture today, Todd. Well, and it's so important
4: to, uh, and and Steve will tell you uh, that, that there's a reason why we're going through these in the order we go through, and starting with Gnosticism, because this is ultimately about. That god-killing question. We we laugh at the Van Donnigans. It's easy to joke about it, mm-hmm. but we've done that at our own peril. Now
1: for, I joke about it now, but I used to yeah, take it seriously. For, and, yeah. and,
4: and joking about it now is because they count on that uh, on some level because they're above us and we just can't hope to understand. We need to appreciate them what for what they believe at their level and take it seriously because that's the very re- because we haven't taken it seriously is the very reason we're talking about what in any and what an Audi is right now it's absurd that we've gotten to that place but we they've taken them look at Tom Cruise and what he believed in that intro about stopping at a train they believe it only because I'm a Scientologist do
1: I know what to do no one else could know what to do unless they have the special knowledge that I have been special enough to acquire but
4: look how far that mindset has gotten to deconstructing our culture because they're deadly serious about it and they are god killers at their heart
5: Yes, and just very briefly, I mean, there are elements of every single one of these deadly worldviews found in the next worldview that we are are, are going to look at every uh, you know leading up into into the last one and, and there's a reason, as Todd said, why this is the first. It is foundational to every single other deadly worldview. Yes, we're going to reject thousands of years of human history because we have a new special knowledge about what gender is, about what sexuality mm-hmm. actually is. And by the way, we're the people we've been waiting for because we have the special knowledge
1: very well said. more of the Glenn Beck program here next.
0: entertainment and enlightenment this is the glenbeck program
1: we continue our countdown of the seven deadly worldviews that are making crazy our new normal here in 2019 with the one that we participate in the one that makes that we help the enemy make the enemy's job easier for him we'll discuss that here in a moment on the glenbeck program
2: You have heard me talk about Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and how his pillow has given me a great night's sleep, which I need. Now, from time to time, he'll send me something to try, from pillows to the sheets to the towels. I've loved them all so far. You're the one who have built this into an incredible company and have trusted Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. So Mike wants to do something for you, and that is his Giza Dream sheets, which are great. He's going to give you an incredible deal. These sheets come with the world's best cotton. They are uh, ultra soft. They're breathable. ...yet extremely durable. And right now, the Giza Dream Sheets. Buy one, get one set free, plus shipping with the promo code BACK. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money back guarantee. You're going to love it, and if you don't, send them back. It's MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials to buy one pair of Giza Dream Sheets and get the other one free, plus shipping. There's also deep discounts on all the other MyPillow products that you are just going to love as much as I do. Enter the promo code BACK or call 800-966-3117 and get the great radio specials.
1: Right, back here on the Glenn Beck program where the crew from the Steve day show filling in for Glenn today and tomorrow for the final two days of 2019 if you are a blaze TV subscriber you're used to us because we are on each day right after Glenn on blaze TV radio and podcast from noon to two eastern if you want to sample our stuff blaze tv.com dace that's D E A C E or you can subscribe to our show on iTunes Stitcher Google Play and all of the various interwebs as well today we're taking a look at the worldviews that brought us to crazy being our new normal. We're going to teach you some uh, philosophy and history today. So we've already talked about the very first deadly worldview, this idea that there's only special knowledge for a special few, that the, the truth is not really out there. Um that you have to be on a, a certain road through go through certain gatekeepers in order to acquire it. It's it's exclusive, not in the way that things that contradict each other cannot be mutually true, but exclusive only to select company. And as Pearl Jam once sang on the Vitalogy or Vitalogy album, it's not for you. Okay. Now we come to the second. And this is the one that trips us up. As a species, this is where, when faced with fallacy and error, when faced with something we know just doesn't, something about that doesn't seem right. So, how do we react to it? Because if we react wrong to that which is wrong, then two wrongs, as my mama taught me growing up, do not make a right. Let's discuss, with the help of our friend Dr. Jeremiah Johnston from Houston Baptist University and the Christian Thinkers Institute, let's discuss legalism.
3: I think doing the best that... I can based on
5: what I understand that to be for myself. Do you believe that if you please God, then you will go to heaven? Yes.
3: When we talk about legalism, the first thing that I want our viewers to appreciate is the fact that legalism at its essence is as bad as liberalism. They, they, they both are terrible as it relates to faith because it is faith or grace plus something else. And there's a fourth point about grace and that is that it can be resisted. If we don't build our lives around these seven principles, then we're gonna have these root problems, we'll have surface wrong attitudes and surface problems, and our life will be one continuous failure. Ultimately with legalism, you establish your own righteousness, your own standing before God by simply coming up with your own man-made religious system, which is a list of rules that you live by, that you abide by, and that you indeed judge your neighbors
2: through. Was it a fermented wine that Jesus drank or that he made? Remember he went to the wedding? Uh, feast in, in, in first the first miracle. It was a big thing about Dungeons and Dragons, and people actually got absorbed in that stuff. They took on those roles and they began doing horrible things, and it was almost like an invitation to demonic possession. Ariel, I cannot let this dance happen.
5: Ren McCormick made a lot of people stop and think.
4: I object to that kind of music, and I think you know why.
5: Because people fornicate to it.
4: I never said that.
5: That's what you told the church board.
3: That was not meant for your ears. It makes you better than other people. Um, You don't do certain things, so you are a better example of Christ than others. God hates
4: Australia, land of the sodomite damned.
3: We boil Christianity down to a list of rules, do's and don'ts, and This this is not at all the essence of the Christian faith. Christianity is the beauty that we are not perfect, we are forgiven. There is no place for legalism. In fact, Jesus' toughest words were reserved for the righteous legalistic Pharisees, those that thought they had no need of a savior and those that were quick to judge and quick to speak up and condemn the world around them. And I think it's interesting and notable that in almost every place we see the historical Jesus teach in the gospels. And keep in mind, over 30 times we hear that large crowds traveled with Jesus. There was always a Pharisee, in the crowd. I think of the scene in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37 where the nomikos, the professor, the expert in the law, wants to ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And that Pharisee is trying to trap him, and Jesus quotes the shaman and said, we should love the God, God with our heart, soul, and mind. So the beauty of the Christian faith is that it meets us exactly where we're at. And it saves us right where we're at. It saves us out of the unimaginable experiences. We don't have to do performance because we trust in Christ's performance on our behalf.
1: So here's how this plays out. Here's how legalism is playing out in our culture today. And it's it's how we helped set the stage for the rest of the, the other five deadly worldviews that we're going to talk about here later in the program. And it's it's how we respond to error and fallacy do we respond with intuition opinion you know right now on the Amer- in the american right there's a, there's a big tactical debate that's taking place and the the tactical debate comes down to well there's two tactical debates there's one that I I think is an edifying conversation that is long overdue that, you know, I've been trying to have that conversation in throughout the course of my entire career in conservative media, starting from when I started at WHO radio, Ronald Reagan was the first sports director there uh, here in, here in Des Moines, Iowa, where I live. Okay. This conversation of what ultimately is the purpose of the conservative movement. And that has played out. If you've followed the David French, Sarab Amari debate, Throughout the course of this year, that that's been the debate that they're having is are we here to, to manage decay? Are we here to get, you know, uh, conscience clauses and exemptions to drag queen storytime hour? Or are we here to defeat it? Wh- which is it? I think that's a worthwhile debate. The other de- because here's the thing you o- we only get to be better as a movement by having that debate. We don't you, you may disagree vehemently, but it doesn't make you worse at being a conservative, meaning you're trying to conserve. That's the, the root word of a word is always what a word means. So if, if you're a conservative, that means you're trying to conserve that which has proven to be true and beautiful for the human condition for this and future generations. That's what you're that's why you're a conservative. You're trying to conserve those things. So the, the French Omari debate, regardless of which side of it you're on or how frustrated you are with the other side of it. You only, we only get better as a movement because that's the right debate to have, meaning it's edifying. It elevates the, the purposes and principles we're supposedly all here for. Does that make sense? Yeah. This other debate I don't believe does that, and I think it's destructive, and, it's, and it really comes down to how much rot gut and Saul Alinsky-esque tactics that the left has used against us right out of a book dedicated to satan literally how many of those should we adopt in order to fight fire with fire how much reprobate should we be how low should we go and what ends up happening for those of us that say i'm not i'm not watering down my beliefs at all Um, is the point of that what is what is what is what is the point of giving cultural Marxists 50, pick a percentage, 60, 70, 80, 40, pick a number, pick a number above 10. What is the point of giving them that and then fighting them? Um, 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 it's a losing battle. These people, this movement hates America. It hates Western civilization. It's fine with tearing all of this down. It's fine with all of the, 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 the venom that we could spew like a water hose, a fire hose, all throughout the culture. It doesn't care. It doesn't care if you fight their boycott with a boycott and their cancel with a cancel. We're just, you know, zero times zero is zero. We're just going to spread hate to fight hate. I'm not doing any of that. Well, then that means you're not really a conservative. You're not really a Christian, Steve. If you won't conform to my fallacy in response to a fallacy, then you're not really a blank. That's what legalism does. I get those emails all of the time. Now, thankfully, I grew up in a home where I didn't have the best dad. You know, And on a given day there in Grand Rapids, Michigan, shout out to Wood AM. I saw you guys tweeted at me earlier today. I listened to that station growing up. So it's a little surreal for me. Uh, But, you know, on a given day, coming home from Jackson Park Junior High or Rogers High School, man, I didn't know if we were going to Cedar Point, Disney World, or going to get beat. Because your guess was as good as mine. When you grow up like that, you learn not to need a lot of affirmation from other people. So thankfully, I don't. You can you can flood my compartment with all of your player hate. Frankly, I feed off of it. It just convinces me I'm doing the right thing. So I'll do it even more. All right. But that's this notion that you've got to dress like me or look like me, speak like me, think exactly like me in order to have access. To this larger and supposedly unifying truth, meaning people from disparate beliefs, groups, languages, customs, come together around this shared belief. Not that I have to go through your accessorizing in order to plug into it. Todd and Air, I'm going to let you guys respond to that here in a moment on the Glenn Beck program.
2: All right, I want to tell you what I'm getting my wife for Christmas because she sent me an email. And if you don't believe what I say is true when I tell you about the commercials, ask my wife about all of the stuff that we use that you hear me talk about. And with X chair, I have an X chair. I have one in the studio. I have one in my office. And my wife sent me an email that said,
4: I want an X chair for Christmas.
2: And so what happened? I'm laying my head down on my pillow at night, and she says you know, they're $100 off. I'm like, I know, honey, I read the commercials every day. So, don't believe me? My wife does. The best chair I've ever sat in, and she sits in my office chair as well, she knows. Right now, you'll save 100 bucks off the model of your choice. Plus, if you use the code XWheels, you're going to receive a free upgrade to the X-Wheel Blade Caster. There's high-performance wheels for your chair. It's xchairbeck.com. That's xchairbeck.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR. xchairbeck.com.
1: All right, back here on the Glenn Beck program. We're the crew from the Steve Dace Show, noon and two Eastern, right after Glenn Beck on Blaze TV radio and podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. That's D E A C E for those of you listening around the country on radio that have never heard of us before or don't know how to spell the name or pronounce it. I could be spelling it and pronouncing it wrong for all I know. It's just, it could be Deese. I was just told it was Dace. Other members of the family pronounce it D. So there's a Gnostic mystery for you as well. All right. Let's talk legalism, though, before we go to the next seven next of our seven deadly worldviews. Gentlemen, your thoughts on how we watch this play out today where we feel and almost adjust. And you're seeing this more, too, with more um, of, you know, the fake news sites on the right. Almost like it, like we're kind of proud now to replace your lie with a lie of our own making. That's really what legalism is.
4: Yeah. And well, and it's only getting exacerbated by uh, social media and how uh, quickly uh, we go after one another uh, for any uh, breach. But. Th- you you saw in the movie Footloose how it it usually comes across as something stern like that, and mm-hmm. we're talking about fornication. But it's more it's it's rightly and easily mocked when you talk about the church lady. Uh, it, sure. That's really what is this is really Spinal Tap. Oz goes up to eleven. That, that's that's legalism <laughs> uh, right there. And it does it's not. And you should and you should laugh at that. But then you should have the appropriate answer. And the answer to that is what you it should look like. What it should feel like. Steve often uses a word. What does the word "all" mean? Oh, it it actually means all that the gospel is for everybody. And if you don't have somebody in your parish who looks and feels a li- a little bit more along the lines of locust and wild honey, and, and and that should make you a little uncomfortable. That's a good thing. Our churches are too homogeneous. Steve has talked about that a lot on the show on a regular basis. That look and feel of authenticity of John the Baptist is a sign that you are not part of a legalistic community. Yeah,
1: to me, I, I think you can tell the. That- uh, you can grade a movement's integrity by the way it handled its contrarians. Yes. Right? You know, and, and it's okay. We, we, we need to tolerate contrarianism within the conservative movement more often as well. You know, not everybody has to have the same talking point, the same song sheet, talk about the exact same topics and have the same pro team GOP spin, you know, and and, and this idea, thats what I, that's why I love working here at The Blaze. There, there aren't frankly too many places you could work in conservative media and do what we do if we're just going to be brutally honest about that. And that doesn't mean your contrarians are always right. I'm wrong quite a bit, all right? I'm a, I'm a natural contrarian. But at least listen to your contrarian. Several years ago, when I first started getting serious about my faith, I'd been serious about politics for many years before. But when I first started getting serious about my faith, one of my listeners sent me a, a CD, we were still listening to those back then, Aaron, of John MacArthur, 50 Reasons Why a Christian Should Not Be Involved in Politics. And I'm like, I'm not listening to this, this is garbage. And then I realized, you know, if I don't listen to this, and let this guy, who's been doing this a lot longer than me, challenge me, am I just as bad as exactly the, 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 the kind of non-critical, indoctrinated leftist thinker that I'm trying to impact? Yes, is the answer. So I listened to that, and I found about 48 of his reasons I could easily um, debunk. But there were a couple of that were very difficult for me to get around. And, it, and right, iron sharpened iron, and it made me better at what I'm doing today because I let that test me. And I think it's okay for us to be tested. Not everything has to come out of the same echo chamber all of the time, Aaron.
5: Yes, and there's a reason why Dr. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson in the intro to legalism said that it's almost as as bad as liberalism. And I, I think you can go a couple of different ways there, whether it's um, you know liberalism politically or especially theologically, because it's, it's very different. True. It's, it's not really. Yeah. It really isn't. It's just two sides of the same coin at the end of the day. And that's what we deal with every single day. It isn't always the church lady. It, is, it, it, it isn't always footloose either. It is um, faith plus something else means you get access. You get a seat at the table to the special club. And again, as I mentioned briefly before the end of the last hour, every single one of these deadly worldviews has an element of the previous deadly worldview. How do you know what is the plus after faith? Well, you gotta have a special knowledge. So that's that, you know, again, all of these things are related. But again, legalism can often take the, you know, uh, look like uh, something like you often point out when, uh, when somebody tries to disagree with you. But I caucused for fill in the blank. Right, right. On that day, many right. will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, I caucused in the name of or I caucused for uh te- you know, fill in the blank with your favorite politician. Right. Uh, and they'll all say, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. <laughs> if people people use get out of jail free. I did this. Can't I be a part of your group? Why don't you agree with my group right. on 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 things like this? So it's either politically or theologically, people use this faith plus something else to get out of jail free.
1: Yeah, I get that. I still get that somebody disagrees with my take on the politics of the day and, and people will email me. Well, I, I voted for Ted Cruz. I, for those of you that don't know, I worked for the Ted Cruz presidential campaign in 2016. Um, I, well, I, I voted for Ted Cruz in the primary. I'm like, okay, I, 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 what is that supposed to mean to me? Is that so I automatically, so if, if you didn't, then if you voted for Rubio, then I'm to assume that you're a near do well You're from Lake Wobegon. Uh, Have you voted for John Kasich? Okay, that part is probably true. Let's just be honest about that. All right? (laughs) little legalism never hurt anybody, did it? (laughs) All right. But, um... Uh, I mean, but that, the, the assumption that I, Hey, Hey, I got the Ovaltine secret Dakota ring. Right. And then, uh, you know, um, Rafi, and all it says is buy more Ovaltine. Okay. (laughs) I mean, just there's that that somehow we, Hey, hey, I'm in the club. I'm with you. You know what? And so that's why you should take my opinion more seriously. I should take your opinion more seriously. If it's a serious opinion. Regardless of who you are, how many Twitter followers you do or don't have, or, um, you know, how many, you have the same God-given rights that I do. Uh, just because there's a microphone in front of my face and not in front of yours. Um, and, and if you voted for the same person I did, or you didn't, none of that should be relevant, Aaron, but we use these all of the time because we want to like belong to a club. Yes. And, and I think there's,
5: this needs to be brought up in the conversation of legalism as well, specifically theologically for, for those of us who go to church, legalism is not uh, your conv- if you have a conviction that you don't want to dance to the music that they're talking about in Footloose yeah. by all means follow that twerking's conviction
1: twerking's bad that's not legalism <laughs> yeah. well
5: yeah but uh, conviction foisting your own convictions upon others if it's not explicitly uh, stated in the Bible or yeah. your you know whatever you use as a uh, we use that as a framework obviously for our faith you know that's, that's something completely different so I think that's valuable yeah if you've got
1: out. a real convert- conviction that twerking is bad for culture that's not legalism oh, be
4: more specific defending traditional marriage that's not legalism. That's right. legalism. Right. Yeah. Saying
1: that you don't love God as much as I do if you don't hate twerking as much as I do. That's what legalism is. Okay. All right. We'll come back. Our next of our seven deadly worldviews coming up right after this year on the Glenn Beck program. Stay tuned.
0: You're listening to Glenn
2: if you experience pain on a daily basis, I know exactly how you feel. It can be debilitating. It can control your life. The aches are easy to understand. When it really hurts to do the basic chores, emotionally, the effects of pain can be just as dramatic. I have spoken to so many people in this audience that have started to take Relief Factor. The change emotionally is as dramatic as the physical relief, maybe even more. As you might know, Tanya and I started taking Relief Factor several months ago. After about 10 days, subtle changes started to become significant and I've been able to stop taking all prescription pain medications all pain medications entirely and stop the terrible side effects of those awful drugs. Many on my team here at The Blaze are faithful takers of the 100% drug-free Relief Factor and we have had great success in taking our lives back. Try it. Get a three-week quick start package for only $19.95. Take it as directed. That's less than a dollar per day and if it works on you like it has with me, you're going to get your life back. ReliefFactor.com
1: all right, back here on the Glenn Beck program. We are the crew from The Steve Dace Show, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre totters and here with me as well. If you want to learn more about us, blazetv.com slash dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look us up and like us on Facebook. you have any questions about what we're talking about here today with these seven deadly worldviews that are responsible for the brink of cultural extinction that a lot of us feel we're on right now, uh, feel free to email me, steve at com. And we're talking about these worldviews because we're watching them play out in our headlines every day, our good buddy, uh, Josh Hammer over at uh, the daily wire. I saw him tweet out a couple of days ago. I don't know if you two saw this. He said something along the lines. It's getting really difficult for him as, as a, as a conservative Jew. It's getting difficult for him to tell the difference between the social justice aims of reform Judaism and the democratic party platform, because there isn't a difference because that's their worldview. The democratic party platform is the manifestation of, of worldviews, a lot of them, the worldviews we're talking about today, just as a lot of people with more of, a, of an orthodox kind of faith, meaning they believe more in the traditional viewpoints. You look at the Republican Party platform, that's why it looks like that, because we can't escape our worldview. As so we're talking about the seven that have been unleashed on America in this postmodern age, now the first two, Right, set the stage for the five to come. We're going to get to those five next with number three, because now that we have deconstructed God, now that we've pulled a Nietzsche and declared God is dead and we have killed him. Now that we have deconstructed the God that our rights come from, well, Blaise Pascal is still correct that something has to fill that void in our culture's heart. Something nature abhors a vacuum. Something will step forward to take the one true God's place. And it begins with our third worldview, dualism.
4: The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches.
2: And the Dark Lord shall mark him as his equal, but he shall have power the Dark Lord knows no.
0: while the other survives.
4: The Emperor has been expecting you. I know, Father. So, you have accepted the truth.
2: I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self. You've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. The Emperor hasn't
1: driven it from you fully. Search your feelings, father. You can't do this. I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. It is
4: too late for me, son.
3: Dualism goes back to Plato, the great classical thinker, and even Neoplatonism, which actually underlays much of what we heard about and learned about in Gnosticism, and it really divides reality into two levels or two compartments, if you will. Heaven above, which is light, it's beautiful, it's perfect, and this carbon copy below that is quite right, it is imperfect, it is dark, murky world. This holy river came from the river in heaven that we call the Milky Way.
5: They say that Milky Way actually is a reflection that you see in those waters which are still beyond. We have many gods.
1: In the trees there is God, in the river there is God, even underneath the earth there is God, the goddess of earth. But those gods are not like the um, Creator God because they are still travelling in the cycle of
5: birth and death.
3: Out of this arises transcendentalism. What is imminent or preeminent? Is God transcendent? Is God imminent? This is the big question of dualism. Is God something we can attain to? Is it in some perfect spirit or is he down here in the murky imminent world? Well, the beauty of the Christian faith is God is both. God is imminent and God is transcendent. We don't have access to him as if he was a scientific specimen. But he is imminent, he is present in our life, and he is indeed transcendent. He created the world, he sustains the world, Colossians tells us in his very hand. And so, I think it's very important that we understand the nature of God as presented in the Judeo-Christian motif that presents God as both transcendent and imminent.
1: So you see dualism in Aaron's montage there. You saw and heard clips from Harry Potter. Uh, you saw and heard clips uh, from, from Star Wars. The, it, it, if you remember the old George Burns, some of you that are in the older generation, remember the old George Burns, Oh God, You Devil Movies, uh, the classic, uh, you know, Jiminy Cricket, angel on, dev- on one shoulder, devil on the other. Um, it, it presents itself one of two ways, that either evil is just as powerful as good, that the devil is just as powerful as God, for example, and then they are each vying for equally, with an equal amount of power and ability and access to you and I's affections. Another way that it that it presents itself is it has a tendency to take the divine and just place it into um, the circle of life. We'll call it. How's that? That's a song we all know. If you grew up in our era, right? Okay. And that, by the way, the live action version of that this year, I thought was fantastic of the Lion King. But basically it takes the divine and and brings it down to our level or us up to his, depending on the way you want to look at it, Mr. Babel, and puts us all in this circle of life so that essentially there's what we would call oneness or this idea that there's not really mutually exclusive truth out there. That things that are totally um contradictory can both be true um and really the only bad thing there is in 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 this in this point of view is to believe that there actually is exclusive truth out there now of course um it they they those that believe in this love exclusive truth when it comes to gravity right i mean they're not they're not standing at the top of a building and, uh, you know, the, the, the leftists are telling us, well, you know, I'm not sure Jesus ever lived when they're writing those columns for Salon this time of year or they're writing for Vox this time of year. And if he did, um, he was really just a social justice warrior, Che Guevara, in Jewish rabbi, first century Palestinian garb. Right? Okay. Um, I notice though, that they're totally fine with using their quote unquote oneness to water down what you believe and the beliefs they don't like. But if you were to tell them, you know, I thought about it, I prayed about it for a while, and I don't really think gravity is really exclusive. So I'm going to invite you to jump out of this plane while it's in the air. Oddly enough, weird as it may be, they're suddenly going to find they're not only enamored, but enthralled even. By the notion of rather exclusive truth that doesn't just get stirred up, Todd, in the witches' brew, witches' brew of blah meh that they prefer. Well, the reason
4: they get pushed to that point, though. They're hubris in, in separating into categories, tribalism, if you will, and that's a very topical uh, world these days. Much earlier in the game doesn't allow for, Steve talks about hypocrisy, and rightly so, but early in the game as a Christian, you do need to get comfortable with paradox. And the only way to do that is realize God's God. And you're not doesn't mean stop asking smart questions, but I'm talking about uh, what arguably is the uh, oldest book in, in the Bible, the Book of Job, and there at the end, after this very long conversation, that is very much platonic uh, in many respects. But what does God finally? What ultimately does says, he, drop? he
1: says to sum it up, to quote the great prophet, the Rock: "Shut your hole yeah. and know your role." All right, as the Stephen Curtis Chapman song says: uh, "God is God, you are not." So I will entertain your questions for a while, but ultimately there has to be an authority. Don't you do this with your own children, right? We, we, Amy and I entertain our children's challenges to a point, but then ultimately there's an authority in the home and they're not you. And so this is why I've said to our children from the time that they could communicate with me, I let this go on for a while. The moment it becomes disrespectful or disobedient, I look at them and say, who am I? You're dead. Who are you? not dad yep yeah ultimately that ultimately is the answer and if you under- eventually
4: if you understand paradox you can get comfortable there if, if you don't you, you you never will you you need to have to answer everything the more i grow in my faith the more mind scrambling questions i have and that's a fantastic thing
1: right are we seeking answers because we want a better idea of the of, of, of who the god is and whose image we're all made or because we want to replace there it him. There Dualism wants to replace him. That's the difference between uh, healthy skepticism and postmodernism. We'll come back. Our next deadly worldview as we continue here today on the Glenn Beck program.
0: Next. You're listening to Glenn Beck.
2: 11 student groups, including the Harvard College Democrats, signed a petition accusing their school paper of showing cultural insensitivity for contacting ICE for a comment after a protest against the agency on campus. That's it. They just reached out for a comment. Thankfully, there is something we can do about the madness and the destruction of our civilization by these woke activists. It's as simple as the service you use every day. Switch your mobile carrier to Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is the only cellular service that donates a portion of your monthly bill to organizations fighting against things like this. Right now, Patriot Mobile is bringing back their buy one line, get one line free for six months if you make the switch. It's really easy. You keep your number, you keep your phone, or buy a new one. Get reliable 4G LTE nationwide service for as low as 25 bucks a month while helping to preserve the country we all love. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash back or use their U.S.-based team at 877-367-7524. PatriotMobile.com slash back. 877-367-7524.
1: Well, let's get right to it here. The Steve Dace crew, Steve Dace show crew, filling in for Glenn Beck here today on the Glenn Beck program today and tomorrow. And today we're talking about the seven deadly worldviews that are vying for really the soul of America. I hate to make it sound that apocalyptic, but it's it's where we're at and you're watching it play out right now every time you go and do this while trying to watch the news. (laughs) All right, let's go to the fourth deadly worldview, which needs no introduction. Because it has been the dominant one of the era every generation tuning into this was born into Darwinism.
4: I, I think we were evolved. Uh, there's two things that determine us our environment and our.
3: Genealogy Charles Darwin is so dangerous because ultimately when we look at Darwinism It tends to reduce humans to animal status You and me,
0: baby, ain't
4: nothing but mammals So let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel
0: Do it again now You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals
2: So let's do it on the Discovery Channel. We have
3: two worldviews which are essentially at war with one another. A worldview that says all people are made in the image of God. Therefore, I can act sacrificially to love the neighbor who is made in the image of God. But the conflicting worldview is that it really comes out of the cut and thrust of Darwinian evolution, that there is no purpose to life.
2: The universe
0: doesn't owe us any meaning. It could be that there is no meaning of life. And if so, that would be just... As I think that we can all make them whatever meaning we choose to make. These are all individual meanings that you can give to your life. That doesn't mean that life itself has one special meaning. It doesn't mean
3: that we are here for any particular purpose, any more than mountains are here for a purpose or rocks are here for a purpose. Rocks are just here. Darwinism says that we are just two-legged animals. We are indeed a cosmic accident. We see this playing out and other other publications like that of Richard Dawkins and The Blind Watchmaker, where he says Rocks just happen, they are here. Mountains just happened they are here there is a sense in which life is just here therefore there is no such thing as good there is no such thing as evil we are all just wasting our time there is indeed no value to human life and this is why it is so important that we wake up most professors in the modern university system are Darwinian nihilists what of course nihilism is a Latin term meaning ex nihilo out of nothing they believe in nothing they don't even believe in good and evil and this comes right out of Darwinism because when we accept Darwinism we say Christianity is passe the church is passe the Judeo-Christian God is passe I'm embracing a completely all-encompassing different worldview that says guess what it paves the way for eugenics for racism and as it's been discussed by survivors of the Holocaust Um, Charles Darwin was the favorite, uh, his favorite disciple Adolf Hitler when so many of the practices of the Nazi party were actually under the guise of Darwinian scientism and that's where it gets very very despicable and in my opinion dangerous because in Darwin for the first time historically we see a scientific racism that emerges and things like polygenesis and other and other understandings of racist ideology.
1: I I want to make a a clear distinction. This worldview is not called evolution. I didn't call it that. I use Darwinism on purpose. I don't know how anybody could argue against some form of evolution. For example, human beings live a lot longer now than they did a hundred years ago. They're taller now than they were a hundred years ago, right? They're quicker, faster collectively than they were a hundred years ago. There's evidence for forms of evolution that are predominant. Uh, in our, in our habitat are, are unmistakable. You cannot miss them. I'm talking about an origin of species. And if you look at Darwin's next book, the descent of man, he realized, because he started out there, in, uh, you know, on the Galapagos, just, just asking questions. Then he realized after in asking questions, though, there needed to be some answers. And that's where the descent of man comes in. He starts putting flesh on the bone. He starts putting ethics and philosophy on his scientism. And it gave birth to the bloodiest century in human history, the 20th century. To each according to his abilities, for each according to his needs, never happens. That's the Soviet Union. Never happens without Darwin. Dr. Johnston mentioned Nazism. Never happens without Darwin. In fact, Nazi eugenic scientists were frequent speakers at Margaret Sanger's events as well. She's the most prevalent thinker, I think, in the American thinker of the 20th century. Abortion, that Holocaust, never happens without Darwin. More here on the Glenn Beck Program in a moment.
0: You're listening of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
1: So what exactly did Darwinism give birth to? And which of of these stages of cultural devolution are we at in America today? Find out next year in our final hour on the Glenn Beck Program.
0: This is the Glenn Beck Program.
1: If you're looking to fully protect your home with
2: award-winning 24-7 home security, now is the time to do it. Time is running out on SimpliSafe's biggest sale of the year. SimpliSafe has everything that you need to protect your home and your family. There's smart lock, video doorbell pro, it defends your front door. But it's an army of sensors and cameras that guard every window, door, and room in your home. And if there is ever a break-in, Simply Safe is the only one that's able to give real-time video confirmation to police as it happens, so they respond Three and a half times faster on average. It's no surprise that Simply Safe has won CNAD and PC Magazine's Editor Choice Awards. With families traveling during the holiday season and leaving your home empty with the expensive gifts behind, Simply Safe's holiday sale couldn't come at a better time. 25% off plus a free HD security camera. But it ends December 31st. So go to simplysafeback.com now. Remember, this sale ends December 31st. simplysafeback.com.
1: Thank you for our final hour today on the Glenn Beck program. I am Steve Dace. I host, along with Todd Erz and Aaron McIntyre, we're the trio that hosts the program each day after Glenn on Blaze TV radio and podcast from noon to 2 Eastern. If you want to learn more about us, there's lots of ways you can do that. BlazeTV.com slash Dace, D-E-A, D-E-A-C-E, is how you can look us up there. If you want to watch our program, you can subscribe to it uh, via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just search for us there as well. Follow me on Twitter at at Steve Dace show. Uh, There's going to be several clips. You're going to find my name on YouTube, including I'll point out to you why I agree with the left. White people are the problem in America. It's just, they're the white people that are the problem. (laughs) We don't agree on which white people are the problem, but I agree with them. Uh, Pretty much every bad idea in American culture today came from some lefty white person with too much time and too much money. Right, So you can look at those on YouTube. If you have any questions at all about what we're talking about today, too, with these seven deadly worldviews, feel free to email me, steve at stevedace.com. Again, that's D-E-A-C-E. So we left off with Darwinism. Now, we're not talking about evolution, a small e, a scientific process by which there's approximately 10 trillion examples of it actually being true. We're talking about an origin of species. Where do we come from? Are we the pale blue dot, Carl Sagan claimed? Or is there something more to man, to mankind? Are we created in the image of God or not? Are we here with a purpose or not? Because if we're not here with a purpose, then we're not accountable either, except to anything other than ourselves. And I mentioned that the the last century really was Darwin's century. That we would not have seen pragmatic suggestions like, well, hey, Joseph Stalin was right to each according to his abilities for each according to his needs That we wouldn't have seen. Well, you know, we can we can become the ubermensch We can we can become that person That we wouldn't have seen things like well, let's make every child a wanted child Margaret sanger Is a disciple of darwin. She's also I think the most influential american woman of the 20th century So what hath darwin wrought? You'll see it here in our very next deadly worldview, known as pragmatism. There are two kinds of pain: the sort of pain that makes you strong, or useless pain, the sort of pain that's only suffering. I have no patience for useless things. Moments like
4: this require someone who will act. Do the unpleasant thing,
0: the necessary thing. I think the greatest sin in the world is bringing children into the world that have been diseased from their parents, that have no chance in the world to be a human being, practically. Delinquents, prisoners, all sorts of things,
4: just mock when they're born.
3: Pragmatism is so dangerous because it reduces truth to subjectivity.
2: So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said,
4: I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system.
3: In pragmatism, truth is preeminently to be tested by practical consequences of belief.
0: But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it.
3: To the American people, if you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor, period. My position is do something
5: on uh, Obamacare reform. I don't care what you do but do something because if you don't you're toast next year a philosophy
3: that undergirds the prosperity philosophy that we hear about in certain branches of
5: Christianity i want to leave them something that they can use this afternoon so i don't I don't go a lot of doctrine and you know i go practical
3: and the problem is Uh, what we see worked out in modern life, good people sometimes have very difficult things that happen to them and this then becomes a justification for not believing. So the same justification we give for believing something, pragmatism, then becomes the identical justification for leaving that belief system. You will stop believing if certain bad things come your way or you will attempt to construct a faith that is not based on the Judeo-Christian notion. Guess what, it's not hard to do heresy. It happens every single day by well-meaning people. All I need is Jesus in no context, so I hijack Jesus and do Jesus, or I need the Bible in no context, and I become a heretic. Here's the bottom line of truth. Truth is truth whether we say it's truth, Truth is truth whether we experience it as truth. Truth is truth if the entire majority of humanity rejects it, truth is always truth. It doesn't need to be recognized, it doesn't need to be experienced. Logically speaking, truth is truth. The the response to pragmatism rather is trusting God through thick and thin. Faith is not contingent on some kind of pragmatic effect in my life. Pragmatism I think is very dangerous.
1: So I could give you Several examples of pragmatism in our culture today. The ends justify the means, um, would be a practical example. Um, Looking down on the work a Mother Teresa did in Calcutta, for example, why is she helping those people caught in the caste system? They've been reincarnated and put into this squalor because they were terrible in their previous life and they are beyond redemption. Uh, they are being punished. That's why they are living in such deprivation. Why is she sacrificing her own life on their behalf? These are the sorts of things that that pragmatists will say. And by the way, they'll claim that all they want is the bottom line and to get things done. They're just always wrong always why because they begin from a flawed premise that all that suffering is bad always bad And so one of the highest purposes of life is the avoiding of suffering Hence, margaret sanger saying I think it's a terrible thing to bring a child into the world that will be sick will be unwanted I I could go down that road, but let me instead Take you down a personal one I'll give you a personal argument against pragmatism Christmas 1972, a 14-year-old girl in Des Moines, Iowa named Vicki Wright finds out she's pregnant from her high school senior boyfriend. And she has a choice to make. She lives in a home where her mom is twice divorced. They live with her grandparents. They're living in the white trash part of town. That's what it was known back then. The South Side Bottoms. And she's not sure that she can be a mom. Not sure how much help her mom would be with five kids of her own from two different marriages She's heard that some of her girlfriends that have gotten pregnant have been able to have a an abortion in the back alley She contemplates it Puts it off like a lot of teenagers do major decisions like that And then about a month later She reads the headline in the news Abortion is now safe legal and rare january 1973 roe v wade is the quote-unquote law. Well, now she's got an even tougher decision to make because now she can just walk through the front doors of a quote-unquote clinic and and be done with it. By now, she's turned 15 that January, still way too young to be a mom. But the more and more she thinks about it, she decides, I, I, I can't do it. She has a difficult delivery, a difficult life. She's a single mom at 15 living with another single mom. But on July 28th, 1973, at Iowa Lutheran Hospital, Vicki Wright gives birth to a baby boy. She can't afford him, has no idea what to do with him, how to raise him. She's learning to grow up herself in real time. But she gives that child a name, His name is Steve. And 46 years later, that child is me. Broadcasting on 500 radio stations nationwide on one of the largest media platforms on this planet. Today, right now, in your hearing. A child there supposedly wasn't going to be any hope for. Was a mistake, an accident, not wanted originally. And I know my mama would tell you 46 years later, she's probably listening right now. I'm the best mistake she ever made. Pragmatism says, why put yourself through that suffering, Vicky? Why take a long view? Why think of anything other than your own immediate short-term needs and desires right now? Why do anything that would make your poll numbers dip? Make reelection harder? In other words, pragmatism says reject anything in life that might be difficult or meaningful. Other than that, it's great. More in a moment here on the Glenn Beck Program.
2: You know what they're saying. New year, a new you. But what about this one? New phone, new tablet, new cyber threats. It's true. When you shop online, bank, or browse online with the shiny new devices that you got over the holidays, you are vulnerable to cyber threats. And if you only think an old-school antivirus is going to be enough to defend your devices and help protect the information you store on them, you're forgetting one very important thing. Cybercrime updates as well. You'll need protection that evolves and updates, too. You need Norton 360. It's a cyber safety membership with multiple layers of protection, including real-time security for your devices, a VPN to help protect your privacy on Wi-Fi, and a password manager to securely manage your logins and more. Now, nobody can prevent all cyber crime, but Norton 360 is your ally. Get Norton 360 and save up to 50% off your first year by going to norton.com back beck. That's norton.com back beck for up to 50% off.
1: So let's get to our next of our seven deadly worldviews, shall we, gentlemen? Absolutely. And I think this is the stage we're at now. Um, That's the good news is you're about to learn where we are right now as a culture. The bad news is we are approaching the end of this stage. All right. And so we've gone from deconstructing God. We've then decided, well, maybe we're God. And then we're like, well, you know, maybe we're not the best gods. So are there other gods out there? And then we decided again, yes, there are other gods, particularly when they're convenient for me to use them when it's pragmatic to do so. And now everybody's got their own opinion about who's God and whether they're God or not. So how do we make sense of that pea soup that we're in? That's the stage we're at right now. The sixth of our seven deadly worldviews is syncretism. Do we all worship the same God, Christian and Muslim? I think we do. We have different routes of getting to the Almighty.
3: Syncretism tells us that truth is what you want it to be. Truth is true for you, but it may not be my truth, and it becomes relativism at its core. We don't have any creedal test. Our theological spectrum is very broad. Whatever seems true and relevant and
5: useful, we can gladly incorporate into our Unitarian theology.
4: No debemos dejar de orar por él. Y colaborar con quienes piensan distinto. Confío en Buda. Creo en Dios. Creo en Jesucristo. Creo en Dios. Allah. Muchos piensan distinto, sienten distinto, buscan a Dios o encuentran a Dios de diversa manera. En esta multitud, en este abanico de religiones, I am a Christian, that is my faith,
1: but it is not required. I have respect for all faiths, all faiths. I can't imagine a moment in which that young American sergeant expressed his Christianity more profoundly than when confronted by his own death he said we are all Jews
3: and last I checked relativism only works out with people's behavior my friends do not want a relativist to be the pilot of their commercial airline I think I'll land the plane like I just feel like landing it today and ignore the laws of gravity
1: I can't imagine a better expression of the peaceful spirit of islam than when a muslim father filled with fear drew from the example
3: of a baptist preacher and a jewish rabbi
1: to teach his children what god demands
0: we are, the world. We are-
1: I'm sure
3: you don't want a relativist to be your brain surgeon, to just operate on your head the way he or she may feel like operating that day. It is only when it comes to behavioral syncretism that we can say, well, you, if that's your truth, that's fine, but that's not my truth. And really, atheists, in my opinion, are the great syncretists. Very few atheists are as blunt as Richard Dawkins about the world being meaningless. And they borrow Judeo Christian ethics and equality, and they talk about their nobler, more enlightened way. Um, they don't—they talk about the fact that they don't judge and that they're open-minded, and yet they're being very syncretistic with the Christian worldview. They have expectations. They even call themselves humanists or humanitarians, but really they have no basis for it because they reject God. Nothing is spiritual. You end up with this, this syncretism belief, borrowing elements of what we really are. Uh, Borrowing elements from what we think are two conflicting worldviews, putting them together, mixing them, matching them, and creating our own construct, religiously speaking, and denying the very groundwork that each person is valuable and made in the image of God.
1: Ah, yes, they coexist. Yes. I believe the, um, the Boston Marathon bombers, didn't the car they carjacked have a coexist bumper sticker on it, if I recall? I can't
5: recall off the top of my head I,
4: I, I don't believe know surprise. That surprised me. that'll that'll yeah. be what I believe from now on just because it's perfect
1: as they say in seminary, that'll preach okay so here here's the thing because we we started off the show talking about how our founders cracked the code, the ability to get people with different ideas on theology to live peaceably with one another how how to do that and that and and they actually use the word of God to crack that code. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, render unto God that which is God's. So if, if one religion said Jesus Christ died on a cross and was physically resurrected on the third day and another to prove that he was God and another religion said Jesus was never executed, therefore he was never resurrected and he's not God because God has no son. See, we even wrote it up on the roof of the dome of the rock. Would it be possible for both of those religions to both be true at the same time? No. No, because they are, they, they are contrary. Now, could they both be wrong? Correct. They could both be wrong. But when they each violate the, the identifying factor of the other, they contradict that. They cannot both be true. Why are you being so judgy? Um, <laughs> that's because, here's the thing, the people that say that, it, it, you know, what you're going to learn is that tolerance every time you turn on the tolerance boulevard here it's a one way street brother alright they get to judge you all they want I, I didn't think a Christian was supposed to act like that well, I think there's all kinds of contradictions in the Bible I think this I think that but then the minute you say what you think you're just well you're a bigot and a homophobe that's what syncretism does it's a fake tolerance so that we never actually have the conversations that matter the most so that they then become free to plug in the answers to those questions they prefer. My best friend in politics is a Jew named Daniel Horowitz. My best buddy. We share a brain. He doesn't think Jesus is the Messiah. My entire life is predicated on that belief. I know where he stands. He certainly knows where I stand. Oh, I'm not changing for him. I'd like him to change his view for me. As I'm, he would probably like me to change his, my view for him, but it's going to take some convincing yet somehow by treating each other as grown men and being honest about our differences, there's a whole catalog of other things we agree on and fight right alongside one another in those battles. Like we're like, we're brothers. That's see, that's what true tolerance and diversity is syncretism doesn't want any of that what secretism wants you to do is not fight for the things that matter the most in life at all so that you can be conquered that's what syncretism cares about more of the glenbeg program here in a moment
0: listening to Glenn
2: you have heard me talk about Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and how his pillow has given me a great night's sleep, which I need. Now, from time to time, he'll send me something to try, from pillows to the sheets to the towels. I've loved them all so far. You're the one who have built this into an incredible company and have trusted Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. So Mike wants to do something for you, and that is his Giza Dream sheets, which are great. He's going to give you an incredible deal. These sheets come with the world's best cotton. They are uh, ultra soft. They're breathable, yet extremely Extremely durable, And right now, the Giza Dream Sheets. Buy one, get one set free, plus shipping with a promo code back. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You're going to love it, and if you don't, send them back. It's MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials to buy one pair of Giza Dream Sheets and get the other one free, plus shipping. There's also deep discounts on all the other MyPillow products that you are just going to love as much as I do. Enter the promo code back, or call 800-966-3117 and get the great radio specials
1: back here on the glenn beck program we are the crew from the steve day show filling in here today and tomorrow we are after glenn each weekday uh, from noon to two Eastern on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast, blaze TV.com slash dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. That's how you can learn more about our show on Blaze TV or subscribe to the podcast. Uh, just look for my name, Steve Dace, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. We are ch- we are counting down. And the hits won't stop till we reach rock freaking bottom. Casey Kasem. We are counting down the seven deadly worldviews that are competing with the Judeo-Christian worldview that founded the country for the soul of America. As we speak, we just got through talking about how we're through the sixth stage. These are in the order that they devolve a system. They devolve a culture, a tribe, a a, a human enclave. And we're at stage six now here with syncretism. And it's this idea that I don't have to wrestle with whether or not Jesus is the son of God. I, I don't have to wrestle with, is he who we claim to be? I get to change who he claimed to be. Jesus is now Che Guevara. Jesus is a hippie. Uh, the Netflix special, Jesus is a, is gay. I can change that now. I get to change that. That's what syncretism does. That I kind of get to just say. I, I kind of determine the truth that's comfortable for me to believe at that time. I have my truth. And if there's anything I'm going to say these three hours that you're going to remember, Remember what I'm about to say next. First and foremost, please. None of you have your own truth. Nobody has ever had their own truth. There is the truth. And then there is you. Let's get to the seventh and final deadly worldview. It's the one where minus revival... We are going next and you can already see the seeds are sown. It's the seventh and final stage before we, ha- before we put the RIP tombstone up on a culture and add them to the Encyclopedia Britannica or Wikipedia nowadays, secular humanism.
3: Rights from Americans come from us uh, sometimes political.
4: Oh, everybody has personal rights, and it's based on common sense. The
3: father of secular humanism is Auguste Comte, the thinker who, oddly enough, though he hated religion, and specifically Judeo-Christianity religion, and the motif out of Judeo-Christianity, he actually created his own religion where he borrowed things out of religious belief. After all, he became, as it were, the high priest of the secular humanist organization. They have rights, in effect, almost church service like experiences and who did Auguste Comte inspire none other than Karl Marx one of his closest disciples someone who revered the teachings of secular humanism which inspired communism which inspired an atheist regime that ultimately would have a body count just in the 20th century of over a hundred million dead and this comes back to a belief system that says that we're cosmic accidents rocks are just here Rocks just happen, they are here. Mountains just happen, they are here. There is a sense in which life is just here. There are no, uh, there are no transcendent values, that is, values for all people. So you need to turn to Jesus Christ. He can set <laughs> you
1: free from your sin. Listen here, son. All right, I'm as gay as the day is long and twice as sunny. I don't give a f- what you think Jesus tells me and what I shouldn't should not be doing.
3: Well, there's no such thing as universal and individual freedoms. They reject the notion that people are made in the image of God. Has has my body, my has we are two-legged animals, and this is where secular humanism is very dangerous. Of course. There is no ethical basis for right or wrong in the secular humanist motif, and I also find it interesting that so many of the quote-unquote Enlightenment thinkers, the Age of Reason thinkers who refer to themselves as secular humanists, they were of course supportive of the transatlantic Slave trade and the atrocities associated with it. Many of them picked up pre-Christian racism that comes right out of Plato and Aristotle. Even early eugenics then is picked up again by Karl Marx and, of course, Friedrich Nietzsche. The sons and the offspring's offspring, as it were, of a ghost of a goose combed and secular humanism.
1: One final time, I want to thank Dr. Jer- Jeremiah Johnston. If you've enjoyed his um, Cliff's Notes philosophy classes he has given us here today on the glenn beck program with these seven deadly worldviews uh he's done a ton of stuff over at foxnews.com and on fox news over the years he's with houston baptist university you can also look him up over at the christian thinkers society as well here's the most important thing to understand about secular humanism it's the end game of a culture it's not a permanent place because it goes against our nature we need and have to worship something there has never been, with the exception of the Soviet Union, any truly secular society in all of human history. Here's an anthropological fact of human history. Every human culture has practiced child sacrifice. Every single one has. Including ours at Planned Parenthood today. That's an anthropological fact of history. Every culture has done some form of it. Number two, there's never truly been a long-standing secular Government or culture. Go to the Old Testament when when the Jews would run up against uh, folks that uh, pagan armies that referred to themselves as Baal something. What does Baal mean? Lord, meaning that they, they were they were the God of that community or planted there by the God of that community. So I'm Baal Peor. I'm the Lord Peor. Baal put me here, or I'm Baal incarnate. The Soviet Union tried it for a while and what ended up happening is they made government God because Chesterton is right about this too. Whenever government removes the God, the government will become the God. So the Soviet Union tried this and then they made the government God and ultimately collapsed on itself. So there's never been a secular culture and there never will be. And those who say they want secularism either don't know what it truly is or they are wantonly lying to you. Because the point of advocating the secularism is to make way for what the new meta will be. And if you want to know what this looks like, look at Europe. Where for the last several years in a row, the most popular male baby name in London has been Muhammad. You go to too many Catholic, of the great Catholic churches in Europe, they're mausoleums. Two percent of the population in France. Two, two 2% 2% of the population of France is evangelical. Christianity is dead in Western Europe for the most part. But what's replacing it is not some secular nirvana, folks. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's a lie. What's replacing it is the Moors have just made it past Portugal this time. And now a lot of those Catholic churches... Hey, you guys don't want to go there and worship Jesus anymore? We'll just make them mosques now. They are. They were sold. they mosques now. No, there's going to be a meta. There's always, we need one. We have to have one. We're built for one. We're made in the image of God. It goes against our wiring to not have a meta. So we're either going to put something there that actually is God we're going to put something there that's not or we're going to put ourselves there as God that whole ye be like God thing we're going to do it, there's going to be a meta in the culture, in our hearts there's going to be a meta and what you see in Western Europe where now the um, you know, Bishop of Canterbury of the Church of England is now advocating for Sharia law You know, it's just only fair for diversity's sake of course And and by the way, I don't know anything that has oppressed more Muslims in this world than Sharia law. And there's no place on earth you'll go where it is safer and wealthier and better for you to be a Muslim than in a country founded on Judeo-Christian values. This one. Tell me what has oppressed more Muslims. Well, I can come up with one more thing. The Ottomans. Also Muslims. Okay. The Ottomans and Sharia law have oppressed Muslims more than anything else in the history of Islam. And if you're a Muslim today, you're better off living in Georgia than you are Yemen. Yes, Baptist Georgia, you're better off. So eventually, if you move out one meta, the next meta is going to take over. And that's where this is going. These cycles reboot themselves. We as a culture are going to worship something or someone or one another. Barack Obama's we are the people we've been waiting for. The debate is what's coming next. What is not debatable is that we will look and marvel upon it. That part's not debatable. And that's where we're going next. All of this—what's my gay marriage? What's that? What did that do? Hey, hey, how's my gay marriage impacting you? Remember that lie? All of the cute, every child a wanted child. Make abortion safe, legal, and rare. Well, you can you can have your religion in your church. Just can't take it with you anywhere else. All of these fanciful lies we have been told—we're all done to get you to lay down your arms and open your arms to the meta-truth they want to indoctrinate you with instead. That's what this has always been about. And I started the show today with a quote from one of the best movies of the year. As we come towards the end of the program today, let me use another quote from what I think is the best movie of the year. We're in the end game now. We are in the end game now. We're fighting for the next election. The spirit of the age is conquering generations. Have you seen the polling? Aaron's generation, a third of them want communism. And that's up 10% from just a couple of years ago. We're worried about the next approval rating. They're worried about forcing their approval upon you. We'll have some final thoughts here on the Glenn Beck program next.
0: You're listening to Glenn Beck.
1: If you
2: experience pain on a daily basis, I know exactly how you feel. It can be debilitating. It can control your life. The aches are easy to understand. When it really hurts to do the basic chores, emotionally, the effects of pain can be just as dramatic. I have spoken to so many people in this audience that have started to take relief factor. The change emotionally is as dramatic as the physical relief, maybe even more. As you might know, Tanya and I started taking relief factor several months ago. After about 10 days, subtle changes started to become Significant, and I've been able to stop taking all prescription pain medications, all pain medications entirely, and stop the terrible side effects of those awful drugs. Many on my team here at The Blaze are faithful takers of the 100% drug free relief factor, and we have had great success in taking our lives back. Try it. Get a three week quick start package for only $19.95. Take it as directed. That's less than a dollar per day. And if it works on you like it has with me, you're going to get your life back. ReliefFactor.com
1: Well, again, don't forget, you want to learn more about our show, TV.com slash dace. That's D-E-A-C-E, TV.com slash dace. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Try liking us on Facebook, but again, we're shadow banned there, so good luck. Um, And and email me. Have any questions about any of the seven deadly worldviews we've discussed here today? Steve at stevedace.com. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us and look us up. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more. We're noon to 2 Eastern every day. On blaze tv radio and podcast right after glenn beck so gentlemen we got about two minutes left here in the program some uh, some final thoughts from each of you aaron i'll start with you on what we discussed and shared with uh, with america today
5: yeah so god knows that when you eat of the fruit you'll become like him knowing good and evil you'll become like god ye be like god that's, that's kind of the root lie, the fallacy that, that everyone falls for, for when accepting any of these worldviews that we've talked about today. Uh, I have the special knowledge. I have the extra thing that you need to do. We're all just one big circle of life. Uh, nothing, everything is meaningless, therefore we make our own meaning. We all worship the same God. The government, it, it's, it's all the same lie. Ye be like God. The founders of this, con- uh, of, the, of this country recognized, and we repeat this all the time on the show, they recognized that they were not the exception to the rule. Everybody else, uh, well, let's 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 try socialism this time. It really hasn't been tried. It really hasn't been tried properly. That's that's a, a tacit admission that they that people who who adopt that type of thinking, we are the exception to the rule. No, the founders of this country understood that we were not the exception to this rule, and therefore we became exceptional mm. when we, when when we went down that path because we set up a government. Our founders set up a government recognizing the fact that all men are cre- created equal, but that you know in this country we do we do live in a na- nation. Uh, where we are accountable first and foremost to God. Gradually, that's been, of course, chipped away at over the years, and now we're left with where we are right now, creeping on the doorsteps of, of secular humanism. And that can, uh, we can only imagine. We, we know what that will bring. We only can imagine what iteration uh, that we will practice if we do go down that road minus revival. And so at the end of the day, it's the same thing we preach on the show all, the, all of the time. It's, it's revival or bust.
1: That is very well said.
4: And it's happening to thunderous applause as that grand Rube Goldberg machine just keeps getting built and built and built and now it's coming down on us and trapping us at the end. That's the great irony of it. And there the devil is at the end in his best Jim Nance voice. Hello,
1: friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you liked uh, today, or if you didn't, Uh, Make sure you stick around. We're going to be back again here tomorrow as well. And we're going to be, we were very philosophical today, far more practical tomorrow. Our 10 commandments of political warfare coming your way when we fill in here tomorrow again on the Glenn Beck program. To all of you, thanks for listening. Until then, John 317.